Want the reward? Do the damn work. Challenge yourself. Inspire change. Choice, not luck. Hi, everybody. Todd Crandall from Ignite Euphoria, and I'm pleased to welcome Miss Karen McDougall to the show today. Hi, Todd. Good. How are you? <laughs> it's nice to meet you. What? It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Yeah, um, internet. We've, uh, we've been social media friends for a couple years now, and I'm not even quite sure how that even started, but it's nice to finally connect with you on this level. I'm honored you're doing this podcast with me. Well, likewise. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's always nice to go and you know, help other causes, good causes, and things that help people, and that's exactly what you're doing, so it's good to be here. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. So let we'll use a little bit of humor. We had some some tech issues before we got started, and we both were commenting <laughs> on how when we were kids, there was only three television stations, and we actually had to get up and walk over and change it. So you're giving away our age right now. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> yeah, 20, <laughs> yeah, 27 for shows, both of us. Uh, three TV channels, and you had to go to the TV, stand there, click, 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 until you found a show. Didn't take long with three stations, but yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. Let's talk about, describe, why don't we talk about your childhood? What was your childhood like? You know, my childhood uh, was interesting. I'll say it like that. Um, I haven't shared a lot of my childhood. Um, you know, I had an alcoholic stepfather, severe alcoholic. Um, he wasn't a very nice alcoholic. So, so it was kind of interesting. I'm not going to go into all that story here, but, um, that's why I kind of felt like I connected with you a little bit. Granted, you know, alcohol, drugs, they're all different, but they're all an addiction. Right. So I think, um, I relate on several levels with you and people that have dealt with that. I myself don't get into drinking and drugs, but being raised with that, um, it's it can be a really hor horrific thing and for a child to grow up in. So I'll leave it at that. You can use your imagination. <laughs> you know, well, I'm going to turn this right around to some one of the main things I wanted to talk about to you with today is your relationship with God. And I'm uh, I'm always honest with what I'm doing here. I had no idea about your childhood with that regard. I was just using that as an opener, but. Here's where I've connected with God. Just by me asking you that question, it brought that part of your story out, which as we progress in this interview, I definitely will be using. And that, that to me is the beauty of what God's doing, in my opinion. And I'm not an expert in that at all, as you are. But to me, I'm like, well, there's a God moment right there. Because like I said, I, I didn't know that about your, your yeah. childhood. I don't share it and I haven't shared it. One day I'll have a book um, that's more not about my life per se, but of course you have to incorporate your life stories in order to help other people and heal other people. So that will be um, segmented into my book, of course. So um, I do look forward to perhaps my story helping somebody along the line, just like your story is helping. That's the whole point of it, right? You take what has been graciously given and yeah. give it back to do it for somebody else. So I, I do want to ask you this. And again, I, at Racing for Recovery, we don't get into the the nitty gritty of it and stuff. And I'm, I certainly don't want to do that to you publicly. I do want to ask you this, though. Can you talk about emotionally how those experiences as a child on both sides will keep it positive and some of the things you've overcome? 
what are the positive outcomes of having that part of your childhood? And what are some of the things that from overcoming an adversity standpoint that you utilize to overcome with it? Well, if there is a positive, I think the positive is I chose to stay away from all of that. Uh, do I like to drink and have a cocktail every now and then? Of course I do. Have there been times growing up, especially once I moved to, or actually when I went to college, you know, first time away from home and or went to LA where you have a few nights out? Of course there were. But um, I think the positive for me is I chose not to, to be a drinker, a partier, a drug person. Have I been around it? Absolutely, I have. Um, and I think also it's shown me how I don't want to live. So I think in choosing my partners, granted, I've had a bad picker, as we all know. Um, I think I've weeded that part out and I don't even tolerate that in my life. I'm like, uh-uh, got to go. You may be a great person, but I cannot tolerate that. So I think it's given me structure in that sense. Um, you know, the negative is. I think being with an addict, you know, whether it's a, a parent, a lover, a spouse, whatever, a, a sibling, I think it um, kind of like bottles you up a little bit. I think that it's given me like some emotional challenges um, because, you know, the, the alcoholic that I was raised with was very mean, very demeaning, angry, angry, abusive, not to me per se physically, but to my family, my mother especially, um, I saw some horrific um, abuse, it was horrific. And I think it's caused me to bottle up a lot. And so I'm just in the last five years starting to open up and flourish as a person. And I do attribute that to God. And I do give all the glory to God because he's just like, like a flower, I'm just blooming. Um, I posted something yesterday, like being out in the desert, like a flower in the desert, like desert rose. And that's how I kind of look at myself. I'm like this flower that's just bloomed and I give it all to God. So I think the, the negative side is we can bottle things up and it really affects our relationships with others as we grow. You know, it doesn't allow us to truly love and get love as you and I kind of discussed briefly. Um, I wasn't able to accept love. I thought just someone being nice to me was love. That was not love. That's terrible. It's not love. I wanted someone and I needed someone to be nice to me because I didn't have that growing up. So it can affect you in so many ways. That's just a scratch on the surface, right? <laughs> it really is. Very, boy, very profound. And again, I'm, this is exactly why I wanted to have you on here. I love these in-depth, very emotional, but yet rewarding conversations of just looking at adversity and understanding, well, this is really how that affected me, but look as look what's come from it. And I, one of the aspects I love about my life right now is my oldest daughter, Skylar, she now works at Racing for Recovery. And it's interesting because she's coming into this program as you are with, you know, everybody has hardships, but the ones that don't choose drugs or alcohol as a coping mechanism, I'm always so intrigued by that because for us who are in addiction, that was our go-to thing. It's like, I'm hurting. I don't like myself and I'm going to deal with that by snorting cocaine all day. And for those that found other avenues in a positive way, I'm, I'm always interested in that because I don't, I don't know what that's like. And you certainly are bringing that aspect to it. Well, you know, I think we all handle things differently. Um, you know, your coping mechanism was turning to your addiction, right? My coping mechanism was learning how to tune things out, 
Like I can tune things out even to this day. I'm really good at doing that. I'm not proud of that, but I'm really good at tuning things out, not allowing it to affect me. Um, part of my coping mechanism too was just to be accepted by people. And I allowed people to, not physically, of course, but I allowed people to um, take advantage of me in many ways, just because um, I saw it sometimes. Sometimes I didn't see it. I was just so like, I just need to be accepted and wanted and be treated nice. So I allowed people to abuse me in ways that were non-physical. So we all cope different ways. And that was my coping me mechanism. So that to me, that was almost like my addiction. I needed someone to be nice to me. That was my coping. What's it like now? And what I hear you describing, just as you're talking, I see empowerment in you. You know, I see self-respect. I see dignity. I see pride. What's it like to feel that now versus earlier on when you struggled with that? You know, I, I think it's amazing. I feel like a whole different girl. Um, I actually, I'm almost 50, so I'll technically say woman. <laughs> um, I'll be 50 in March. So I, it took me 50 years to get here, but you know what? I'm here, and it doesn't matter how long it takes. It just matters that you got there. I said earlier we were doing the technical things, baby steps with me, and it's taken me baby steps this whole way. And the last um, five, six years is when I really have grown the most, to be honest with you since I got sick and we can talk about that later, but that's when I've grown the most and that's where I really flourish into the woman that I am today. And I'm, all, I'm very confident now. I do not tolerate what I tolerated in my whole life. Um, people don't get away with things the way they used to. I'm still sweet and nice and kind and compassionate. Yes. But I also know that I cannot tolerate any of any form of abuse for myself. Like I'm done with that. Like no more. Mm -mm. My addiction's done. <laughs> <laughs> you should do the the two snaps or whatever, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we had a guy in group the other day that did that. And I'm like, oh my God, he was, I don't want to call us old. We'll call it more experienced, but he's our age. And he did the two snaps thing. And the younger people were like, what are you guys doing? And I was, oh my God, it was cracking up. So, um, call us wise, Todd. Call us wise. Right. It comes with age. So we're wise. Wise beyond our years. Um, so I, let's talk about this then. I think in the more that we're talking right now, I think we connected with respect to some form of physical activity. If, if I'm not certain, I think you were in on the cover of Shape magazine or something that I somehow got connected with you on the exercise component. So can you talk about where exercise has played a role in your, in, in your entire life and maybe even more importantly now, how you're finding it to be more helpful now in the, in the new way you're living? Well, that's funny because um, since I got sick five years ago, I really haven't worked out much. I've kind of just tried to regain my health. So I, I'm just now getting back into the working out. I worked out a couple of days you know, here and there over the last year, year and a half. But before that, I was, I was bedridden and I, I couldn't work out. So, but I think the magazine you probably saw was the 2017 um, edition of Muscle and Fitness Hers. Correct yes. me if I'm wrong, but that's the uh, most current besides Men's Journal. Um, I was actually 40, I was, it was like 46 at the time, and I had the top selling cover of the year. I mean, that's to me, that's a big thing. It is. Um, but starting to work out, you know, I worked out in college a little bit here and there. You know, you don't really have to work out in college, but, you know, my boyfriend at the time, kind of introduced me to working out and it became a way of life for me. And 
I actually was one of those girls that was in the gym five days a week, you know, for my whole, my whole LA career, that was my thing. You know, of course, in my career, you had to like maintain and I hate to say it, but it was based on our looks, you know? So it was, it was my job and also something that I truly enjoyed. I'm going to get back into it, but not at that extent. Now I just want to be healthy. It's not about, you know, here I am. And now it's just like, I just want to be healthy, but working out's a big deal. Well, it, it's interesting. And we're, we're talking about the same stuff. When you have self-respect and you're, you value self, you're, you're not doing anything. You're not trying to control your eating or your exercise habits or people anymore to try and fix the inside. The inside is healing. And then you're using these things as just a way to enhance what is already going on inside. Right. 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 Yeah, I saw your video uh, on the, I think it's the latest one that you did. I'm not sure for the name, but you sent me the link. It was quite, quite inspiring, actually. And, you know, you had said something in there about people look at you like, oh, look, this guy, like he's bragging that he's doing marathons or whatever, Ironmans, whatever. I don't know the difference, but I yeah. think it was an Ironman. No, you're not bragging about that. And I think it's, it's amazing that you found something to channel your, whether it's your energy, your thoughts, your you know, emotions, whatever, you move from an addiction and you're channeling it. It's not that you are addicted to that, but that's something that gives you life and happiness. And it's a separate part of what adds to the life you have with your, your family, your children, your wife, your whatever else you do. That's just another stepping stone into your life, into your world. And I think it's amazing. So that's how I look at it for me. Like working out, it's not end all game all. Like people like, you don't work out like you used to. I don't have to like, I'm comfortable with myself now. I don't have to be like the swimsuit model type girl. I just want to be healthy at this point. Boy, that's so. the definition of health. And I, I gotta be honest with you. I really appreciate you saying that it's not a new addiction for me because I've, that's one of those stereotypes I've had to deal with for years. It's, Oh, you just traded one addiction for the other. For and the I'm other. like, yeah. no, it's a, it's a new lifestyle, but I understand the question or the it's comment. New lifestyle, it's a passion. We all have passions. So you put yours into, I mean, I'm sure running at some point makes you feel good. I know you don't like the bike. I heard you say that, but <laughs> the running, the swimming. By the way, how did you float on your back in the water like that and not move a limb? How did you do that? <laughs> I'm like, was something holding you up? Oh, no, I w that's just, they. it's wow. interesting. When they were filming that, I swam almost six miles while they were trying to get the right shot, <laughs> oh which gosh. you know what that's like, right? But I. No, I don't swim. So no, what? I don't. It's like, stand here and hold that pose or do whatever. So I just laid on my back and floated while the drone was going above me. And that's where they, they took that picture from. That was amazing. I'm like, how is he doing that? I can't, like, I'll float for a second. Then I'm like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't do it. So <laughs> there was, there was actually people underneath me holding me up for an hour like that. No, I wondered. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So you, you brought this up twice and I'm glad you did. Cause I want you to talk about it. Talk about, you know, how you, how you got sick and the impact of that whole journey and how you healed and what's your message to other people that may be going through that? Um, you know, I got really sick. I was sick off and on for many, many years, actually, without knowing the reason. I was known as the healthy, you are the fittest, healthiest, no, you're the sickest, healthiest person I've ever met. Like, wow. You're right, because I would get sick for six weeks at a time then get healthy for like four or five weeks. And then I was sick again for six weeks at a time. When I say sick, I don't mean like, oh, I have a cold. I was confined to my bed and I'd always lose a lot of weight. I had no energy. I was just literally like 
a, a deathbed. It was terrible. But then I'd regain, and I'd be fine. I'm like, okay. And I would live on Z-Packs and all kinds of, you know, one time I took it three Z-Packs in a row, I was so sick. And I'm like, it's not helping me. I don't know what's going on. So let's fast forward. Five years ago, um, breast implant illness was brought to my, to my um, eyesight. Uh, a friend had told me, I think you have that. And I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what it is. Like I've had implants for so long. Like I'm fine. I'm healthy. Well, I wasn't healthy. And then it, it got so bad. It was actually bedridden. And in that time, I'm, you know, I didn't want to get rid of them. I like them. So <laughs> that's, that was the old me. Yep. <laughs> the old me was like, uh-uh, I need these things. Right. Um, I got to a point where I was actually praying to God, like, God, just give me one more chance. Like, if this is what you want, like, if you want me to remove these, like, just spare my life. I really felt like I was dying because I was in the bed, couldn't get out, like all kinds of issues. We can look that up later, but I had so many symptoms where my body was just shutting down on me. So I made the appointment. I said, I'm going to take a chance. If this is what you want, I'm going to take a chance. I'm not saying he wanted it, but I think um, it led me to a regrowth with him. And it was an eye opener for me and it really changed my world and my life and my, my thinking process and just everything about me. But I did remove the implants. Um, it'd be four years, the end of January, January 31st. And it was a slow process to recover right away. I felt better though, but it, it was a slow journey. Um, then I developed like blood clots and all kinds of weird stuff, but here I am today and I feel so good. I am good with my health. I had lost 14 pounds. I did gain that 14 pounds back, but it's not all muscle like it used to be. Um, but that was okay. I just really needed to gain that weight back because 14 pounds on a 125 pound girl is, is, is a lot of weight, right? So um, I'm gained, I just gained the weight back. I stepped on a scale last week. I'm like, yes, I gained it all back. Now I just right. need to like tone it all up and, and be happy again. So I'm happy. I'm healthy. It's all good. Did, you, did, did, they, did the doctors, you know, definitively pinpoint like, well, you know, this happened because of it or one leaked or something. I mean, what was no. really happening? No, there is no test to determine if you have breast implant illness. Basically, um, it affects your immune system and it affects a lot of stuff in your body because each implant bag, whether you have silicone or saline has over 40 very toxic chemicals in there um, and heavy metals. So with all that in there, eventually your body it just breaks the implant down. Granted, my implants came out looking brand new. Like they, there was nothing wrong with them, but your body leashes in and out, like, like you know, the fluids in your body and the chemicals in there. And um, yeah, so women just are getting affected. There's like hundreds of thousands of women. I was one of the first women to come out with this, you know, and get it publicly on major media. And um, there was two other women also that came out, but now it's everywhere. I mean, I started a group called um, Breast Implant Illness Connect Journey to Self-Love. So um, it helped women. And I'm amazed at the women that reach out to me and reach out to our group and reach out to other groups out there. And they're having the same issues. So it's, it's a big deal, but there's no medical proof, so they say. Um, there's a lot of hidden information as um, some reporters have gone back where you know, ABCD is wrong, but let's squash this information and let's keep making money in these implants. So, wow. but once yeah, again, we're, we're talking about taking an adversity and turning it into something that can benefit not only self, but then to, to other people. What does it feel like now to be a, an advocate with that specific topic for health now? 
Um, you know, it feels good. I, you know, I'm not grateful that it happened to me, but at the same point, um, hey, if I can help other women at this point, or more importantly, I can help our future generations. I don't have kids, but our, our, our daughters, our young nieces, our, the young girls coming up where they don't feel like they have to have these and they see the dangers of them, then it's fine. I would do it over again just because I'm about helping people and saving people. Not saving, that's a bad word, but um, helping save whether a life or something. Um, I'm all for it. Like if it had to happen to me so I can, it can spare other girls. Like I have young nieces. I don't want them to ever go through something like that. So I'm okay. I'm, I healed. Um, there are women who haven't healed, unfortunately, and I feel bad for those women, but I'm one of the blessed ones. And now lucky I say blessed because of Jesus. Um, I'm healed. Right on. I, it was, yeah. I listened to what people say every time they're talking to me. And when you made the comment earlier, like I, you said, I needed these that was a very profound statement because today I assume you don't need them, obviously, and that that's another sign of that healing that transpired, right? Yeah, no, you know, my mindset was different then. I told you, um, growing up the way I did, it gave me an insecurity of I need to be wanted, not like accepted, accepted. I need to be accepted. I need people to like me, and that was one of the ways I felt like people liked me more, and maybe for a small part they did in the wrong sense, um, because that was the world I lived in. That was the entertainment world, the modeling world that I lived in. But no, I don't need them now. And do I miss them? Sure. Yeah, of course. But <laughs> I don't need them. And um, they don't make me as a person. And I don't feel like I'm any less because I don't have them. I actually feel like I'm more at this point because I'm more in the right areas. That's so. good. So let yeah. you... You recently uh, started a new nonprofit or you're collaborating with um, somebody on that. Talk about what you're doing now to greater serve people. Yeah, yeah. We started a nonprofit. Um, a friend of mine, Tommy Malone Jr., he started a 5D.fitness. And basically, it's um, how to stay well-rounded and whole in the five areas of fitness, like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. And, you know, maybe you don't need all of them, but maybe you need one of them. I know I could definitely use all of them personally, <laughs> but um, it's basically helping people overcome adversity in any of those areas in life. And I think we all have adversities and every one of our um, members have adversities. You know, mine is, are some of the things I'm telling you. There's are other things, um, addiction, one's addiction as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's areas I won't get into their stories, but um, yeah, when people get into their stories, I'll be like, wow, it's pretty pretty amazing that these people were here and now they're here. And I'm not saying greater. I'm just saying, you know, sorry, there's hairs in my lip. I'm just saying that they've really did it. Like, a, is it a 360 or a 180? You guys know that. I think it's a 180, right? Yeah. 180. Yeah. With the tires. Yeah. <laughs> so how people can do a complete 180 in their life. And you've seen it firsthand. So you get it. That's yeah. interesting so. too. It's People get so hung up on like whatever form of self-destruction you're doing. It could be food, gambling, drugs, alcohol. Unfortunately, a lot of people have this idea that, oh, you're going to go off to some resort for 30 days and stop doing that. And you're going to come out <laughs> and everything's okay. And it's like... You guys, it's more than that. It's it's understanding the trauma that we've endured that that led to that choice of self destruction. You have to first of all, you have to understand that and begin to heal from that, and then simultaneously, you're implementing these other facets of your life financially, physically, spiritually, into 
being the, uh, God, dare I even talk like this, be the person that God intended you to be. That's the true trans, uh, the growth that I love seeing in people. It's not just somebody who stopped using drugs. It's how are they really blossoming into them, tr into their true selves now? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's um, overcoming the adversity and becoming the person you were meant to be in the first place. The person that you doubted you could be possibly, because a lot of people have self-doubt, you know that. So it's it's getting over that fear, getting over the anxiety, the, um, I can't think of the word, um, insecurity and mm -hmm. becoming that person, allowing yourself to step forward and become it. It's like chains just kind of fall off you, right? Like, hmm, there, there's a chains. I am free. I'm going to do this. So, yeah. So I, I'm going to go back to the, the God stuff with you. Did you have God in your life when you were a kid or when did he actually come into your life then? Um, yes, I did. However, um, I was the girl who went to church on Sundays and I went to Bible study on Wednesday. But to be honest, I went to escape my household to get away from my stepfather. <laughs> um, that's the only reason I went back then. So was I raised around knowing who God is? Yes. Now, I think that's important because it gave me um, a sense of who God is. It gave me some sort of relationship, even though I didn't have the one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with God. And I certainly didn't live the godly life for a long time. But I do think it gave me a deep inner pull of there is a God and um, there is a Jesus and like there's somebody higher than you that can actually help your life. So I did that, but um, I didn't really know him. I didn't have a personal relationship. It wasn't until I think it was eight years ago, maybe nine, that I actually got baptized um, for the first time ever. And I think that's when I started coming around to God. Um, my house was robbed. And it was funny because the day after my house was robbed, I had a, a tea bag that had like a fortune thing on it. And I don't believe in fortunes, but it said um, something about, I can't remember the exact words, but until you give all your possessions away, you won't know what life is. And I was like, whoa. And I'm like, God, are you speaking to me? Because my house was robbed. They took it like almost everything. Um, so I'm like, what was that? So I started searching into God and like reading Bible and going to church again. And, you know, some, it's, sometimes it's something so little like that, right? And then, um, you know, for the next couple of years, I was, I was getting to know him, but I, was, I still wasn't living that life, obviously. And then um, when I got sick, that's when I completely did a, a, another 180 and gave my life to God and said, all right, God, you have my attention. You have me. Um, just show me your will. Show me your way. And it's been amazing. I'm not perfect, but it's been an amazing ride so far. <laughs> so what I... I I just like listening to you describe this. What talk about or give, um, what's the word I'm looking for advice or guidance or suggestions to somebody who maybe doesn't believe in God or even any form of higher being, if you will, because I don't want to exclude anybody from possibly coming into this category. But what would you say to somebody who has maybe the knowledge of God, but can't really accept the feeling of God? Or somebody that is opposed to God, how can you, or what would you say that maybe help them do a 180? You know, one of my favorite scriptures is, um, above all, guard your heart because everything else flows from it. So basically, if you think about your heart, everything comes from it. Your, your, your love, your anger, your mm. 
everything, right? Everything, your insecurities, your compassion, everything kind of flows from your heart. So if you guard your heart and don't let all that bad stuff in, but you like, you let the good stuff flow up. And then for me, it's like, just you let the good stuff take you into searching. I would just say, read the Bible and the words all right there. Read the Bible, pray. Sometimes you don't feel it right away. I didn't feel it right away. Um, but I knew the word was the word, but I just kept praying and I kept getting into the word. And, you know, it's like you start, and I don't want to go into too much detail. This is not the show, but you start hearing from God and you start getting signs and things like that. You start like prophetic people get a lot of word. I'm not prophetic by any means, but I certainly get word from God. And I think people just have to allow it, accept him and just let it flow. Just don't shut it out. Don't doubt. Like if you're a doubter, it's not going to work very well. Like you have to really believe, you know, that's good. Um, so let's switch gears for a minute. Talk about, I understand you have a, you have a dog and you have a cat. How, what do. do, what role do your pets play in your overall positivity and outlook on life? Okay. So my cat came into my life, um, She's 10 now. She came into my life 10 years ago. And I've always had animals my whole life. But uh, I think I had two cats before that that um, lived to be a long time. And I had a puppy that came in, a, a bull mastiff, and tried to play with them and hurt them both. <laughs> um, so they're no longer here. But the cat now is Angel. And then my dog is Prince or Princeton. And they've both been there at times in my life where I had nobody. I, both traumatic things in my life happened. With Prince, it was my sickness. Um, I wasn't dating anybody then. I was truly alone. And I lived so far out from people um, that I really didn't have people to come help me grocery shop and do the things I needed to do or give me wow. support and love. So I literally was in a home by myself, far away from people with my two animals. Oh my goodness, those two animals have... I think, and t I mean, it was God really, but they actually just saved my life. They give so much unconditional love, right? I mean, they know when you're sick, they just want to lay on you and love on you. And it's just amazing. I need people, but I need animals. <laughs> I <laughs> like agree. They are the cutest little, ugh, I just love them. I, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I have a, I have a pet pig. That... I do. Yes. <laughs> it's so cute. How I... did you get a, uh, a pig by the way? Well, I got a pig by doing my best to be a good dad. My, my youngest daughter, Madison, for years, she kept saying, dad, I want a pig. I want a pig. And at the time I'm like, no, we can't have a pig. That's ridiculous. You know, because my vision of what this thing would be, you know? So finally, and I love her tenacity and her perseverance. I, she kept asking me and I, I made the mistake, but it turned out to be a blessing. I said, okay, if you find a baby pig, we can have them. And I thought, okay. Oh, well, if you say that, you know they're going to find one, right? I, I didn't think she would. And within <laughs> like a week, she said, Dad, I found a pig. And you said, and I'm like, oh, my God. I go, okay, bring the pig in. So she brings this little guy in. And I had gone, I went vegan. Uh, God, it'll be five years, February 1st. But she got this pig like within four months of me already changing my nutritional habits. And this guy just like you're saying, whether it's a, a, a pig, a cat, a dog, a, a chicken, a horse, he changed my life. I mean, you can, they can't talk, but they feel and, and how yeah. they express themselves. If we're, if we're cognizant to that, 
it's one of the greatest feelings. It's it's unconditional love. That they won't betray you, you know. And he's just been a you know a godsend to me, and I I, I love him. He's a cute little piglet. Um, yeah, they can give you so much love. You know, they don't like you said they don't communicate like talk to us, but they can communicate in their own form, their own ways. And for people to say animals don't feel or love, oh my gosh, yes, they do. Absolutely, yeah. they do. It's amazing. You know, you see some of these. I'm not vegetarian. Um, I, I have cut out a lot of stuff just because, like dairy, for example. I don't like the little cows being taken being taken away from the mothers. You know yeah. that's just heartbreaking. Yep. I do um, give up meat, but I still eat beef a couple times a year. I'm not gonna lie. I'm trying to give it up, but I don't eat vegetables, so it's very hard for me. I don't like vegetables, so I'm like, ah, what can I eat? So <laughs> I try and do, um, you know, turkey or chicken, but I'm even trying to cut that back. It's it's very hard though, but yep. I, I feel so terrible for those, for all those animals. It's it's such a hard thing to go through. Like I, yeah, it's sad. So, well, you help me with the God stuff and I'll help you with the, the vegetable thing. Then we'll trade. Perfect. If you can find a vegetable that does not taste like a vegetable, we're on. But I, <laughs> since I was a baby, my mom even said those little baby jars of food. She's like, you would never eat the vegetables. You would only eat the bananas or the apples and the meat. I'm like, huh? Same thing today. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. So yeah. let's talk about, and I asked you this before, and I, I can't wait to talk about this. You know, I asked you about your favorite movies and you, you brought up Grease and The Notebook, which are two awesome movies. Talk about how, because Grease was, again, we're, we're showing our experience and our wisdom, right? That was a while ago. But how did that movie, what did you think of that movie as a kid? Because it was awesome and I still like it today. What did that do for you? You know, it just... Um it's one of those happy, feel-good movies that no matter how old you are, I think it's just an amazing movie. Like as a kid, you know, you want to dance around, but even as an adult, I, I still dance around to it. But um, it's just one of those movies that just shows you, it kind of shows you love and yeah. acceptance and just happiness in general and how I wish I were born in the 50s. So I wish um, I would experience all that growing up. I, you know, we had different lives growing up, but still good, right? As far yeah. as that goes. But I just love the innocence back then, especially of Sandra, Sandra D. I love the innocence in it. Um, it's just really sweet how a really sweet girl can get this, um, what do you call him, a stud guy that's like hardcore, right? And then they come together. It just shows you that opposites do attract and they can form a bond in love. That's, that's what I got out of it. I'm like, oh. You can make anything work if you put your mind to it. Absolutely. And one of the other things I, and I notice it even now with many facets of life, there's so many stereotypes and, and groups in that, you know, you had the, the hard guy, you know, with John Travolta and the cheerleader and then the, the athletes and stuff and all yeah. those typical stereotypes. But when they all come together, they're just people in the end. And that, that's what I love about that movie still, you know. Yeah, um, you know, I, I now work with special needs kids and young adults, and there's one family that I work for because I do in-home care for special needs. There's one family that um, the daughter, she's 18, she likes that movie. So I put it on for her. Granted, she can't really watch it, but you could, you could hear like, you could just see little movements of her going to the music. So the music in it is very inspiring for her. And I know like when I hear it in the background, I'm like, 
like this little girl, like that, 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 go greasy, like <laughs> doing the grease lighting thing, right? Oh, so yeah. It's, it's a great movie to this day. It's one of those things that's never going to like, I think future generations are going to love it too. It's an amazing, amazing, joyful, jolly movie. <laughs> Um, I asked this of, of everybody. I mean, we're getting to know each other a little bit over messaging to prepare for this, but is there any question I can answer, uh, you know, personally or anything with Racing for Recovery that you you want to know about? You know, I did a little research, um, a little bit, and first of all, I want to say what you're doing for for people recovering um, addictions, things like that is amazing and inspiring. Um, like I said, I felt connected in a sense because of the way I grew up, though I don't have an addiction like that, um, I was around it and I was forced to live it in a sense, right? Yeah. So uh, there was a connection there. So thank you for doing that for others. Um, Ali, how, what brought you out of your addiction, I guess? I, I saw your story, and I don't know what's fair to say, not to say, but I saw your video about your mom and things like that. That probably was like your, your start to spiraling down, wasn't it? Yeah, boy, good question. Yeah. And you, you can ask anything, you know, I'm always looking for the question that I've, I've never gotten before. And, um, you know, again, and it's, that's why it's such a pleasure to talk to you about some of this stuff. I, I truly believe that on April 15th of, of 1993, when I got arrested for my third drunk driving charge, which turned out to be the best day of my life. Um, I think two people ask me all the time, well, well what happened? And, I believe that I got a, a, a gift from God and my mom that just basically said, stop, just mm. stop hurting yourself with this stuff. It's not working. It's been 13 years. You're on the verge of killing yourself. You know, stop doing that. And just by listening to that message and adhering to it, it gave me an opportunity to take all that effort that I was putting into absolutely just killing myself into consistently trying to heal and get better. And I, I still do it to this day. Um, I believe every day that we're not hurting ourselves, we get an opportunity to improve ourselves. And yeah. that's all I started doing. But I, I truly believe that, you know, my mom and, and I don't know why I keep saying, dare I say God, I mean, I, I, I think those two people, just gave me that idea that um, the addiction was over and that I could do something with my life. I had no idea what I was going to do. None. It wasn't until I was sober for eight years that I I put Racing for Recovery together. And, and that's when I found what I think God had me here to do. I, I believe he... I believe he gave my mom her addiction and I honestly believe her suicide turned out to be my greatest gift because it was the source of my pain. But yeah. now it's the greatest asset I've ever had because if she didn't do that, I wouldn't have done what I did that led me to doing what I'm just blessed to do what I do today. You know, my, my life today, I don't work. I don't consider what I do a job. It's a, it's a purpose. And mm -hmm. I, I just look at everything that was negative as a gift that I can utilize to help other people feel the same way. It's, it's the same thing you're doing, really. It's just a, a little bit different twist. That's all. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, you're taking your pain, right? And you're taking your pain and you're healing and aspiring, if that's a word, to apply here, um, other people that are going through the same hurt, the same pain, or similar hurts and pains. And you're helping them heal them, educate them. Um, showing them different avenues or means of, es of, of escaping virtually, right? So, 
you know, I'm sure you can relate to this too, Karen. And uh, like the comparison, you know, when people do it all the time, oh, she's better looking because her hair's long or he's better looking or better than me because he has more money or whatever. And to me, it, when you can relate to people, you haven't had a drug addiction. I have, but I can relate to the pain from what drugs do, regardless if you were taking them or were a victim because of someone else taking them. And yeah. that's what's been truly um, rewarding for me is just to relate to people's hurt. How does that hurt feel? How can we help you heal from that hurt and go on and do something productive? And that just brings a sense of, of calmness to me, you know? No, that's good. Yeah, I know you can relate to the pain. And, you know, some people think they can only talk to people who have experienced the same thing they have experienced. So, like, for me to try and help people with drug addiction, okay, I can give my two cents, my word, what I think, what I feel, and I can give the you-can-go speech, right? Go, go, go. But I don't really have the deep feeling that you have or the deep knowledge of what you have because you've experienced it and I haven't. So, to, to an extent, that's very true. Like, you have to experience it in order to give the correct... Um, to people, you know, right? So, well, even on the other side, right? No, I was gonna say, even on the other side, like I, I, when I hear someone like yourself talk about what they endured because of someone else's choice to use alcohol and drugs, it's like that brings empathy for me. I immediately am like, oh my god, this is what I was actually doing to people who actually cared about me or maybe even people I didn't even know, you know, which I'm sure back in my day, I did some horrible things or said something bad to somebody I didn't even know. And it brings yeah. that empathy and gratitude back of like, I'm just grateful. I'm not causing that hurt anymore. Now, were you married when you were an addict? No, uh, I met, I met my wife um, about a year and a half into my sobriety, but I, I dated a girl for God, eight years and, and just, put her through absolute misery because of my own self-destruction. And she was constantly trying to help me the best that she could. And it's, you know, you can't save a drowning man. They have to save themselves. No, you, know? you cannot. You cannot. Yeah. Even with my stepfather, like my mother and my stepfather divorced before he actually, uh, I guess to call it get sober, yeah. um, went to AA, um, and I guess he, he died two years ago, my stepfather, but he was clean, so to speak, for I think 10, 11, 12 years. And, um, you know, we came to terms, we had a chat and we came to terms and I totally forgive. Um, I don't like what happened. Like, I'm sure there's things in your life you don't like what happened when you were an addict, but, you know, A, you have to forgive yourself, B, um, other people forgiving you is such a, such a good feeling. Like it helps encourage your growth and it, it encourages you to stay on the right path. Right. 100%. And that, you know, when we were talking about the gift of being sober, it's like never in a million years did I think I'd be having this conversation with you or doing some of the things that I've done. And on a, I guess on an individual level that, that God piece is the one piece in my own recovery that I have, I know it's there. Like when you were talking about intellectually knowing it, it's like, I know this, I know this, mm -hmm. I see it in other people, but I just haven't implemented it fully into my own life. And I can tell where things have gone wrong um, or where things have gone right, that they probably could be even better. And I, I truly need to put the effort into that last piece 
because when you hear someone like yourself speaking on that, it's appealing. It's no different than when someone hears somebody speaking what it's like to be sober. It's appealing to them, but it's all facets, kind of like the nonprofit you're working with, right? There's many pieces to that recovery yeah, puzzle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know. Many pieces to recovery in general, no matter what you're recovering from. Like you said, it could be drugs, it could be whatever, you know, um, that you're addicted to, gambling, et cetera, et cetera. There are many pieces of healing and, and coming together and losing that addiction. Um, I think God is one of those avenues, but that's up to each individual to um, have their come to Jesus moments and, <laughs> and um, just get in the word, start praying, pay to come. So before we close, tell, is there any websites or phone numbers or anything you want to give out so our listeners can, can follow you and check out your nonprofit and all that stuff? My phone number is, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, there's 5D Fitness. Um, it's actually 5D.fitness, but the, the website is either that or 5dfitness.org. Um, there's also karenmcdougal.com, which is my personal website. Excuse me. And on there, obviously, I don't do um, risque pictures, all that kind of stuff anymore. Like I have a few covers up there, but it's predominantly um, things that pertain to my lifestyle now. Um, I've written articles on health and fitness for other magazines. Some of those are on there. And uh, the breast implant illness stuff is on there. But um, if you're going to go there for swimsuit pictures, not the place to go. <laughs> um, what else do I have? I think that's it right now. Just the, the 5D fitness um, is going to be a good thing. We're just getting it started right now. So it's a nonprofit. So we're building it. And, um, you know, with nonprofits, you get donations and donations help you further and further and further. So right now we're in the process of just the beginning stages of building and getting donations and expanding. You know, eventually there's going to be a lot of content. And it's going to be a great thing and help a lot of people. So that's what I'm focusing on now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, we'll make, we'll make sure that we put all those links on the, on the podcast when it comes out. And I know someone who's been running a nonprofit, I'm proud to say this for over 20 years now, it's, um, it's a lot of hard work, as you know, but mm -hmm. it's worth it. It's totally worth it, you know, just to c consistently keep at it because people benefit from the work you're going to be doing. So kudos to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but you know, it's a lot of reward. If you look at it that way, even me working with the special needs, you know, people are like, how can you do it? It's a lot of work. It's this, it's that. I'm like, it is all of that, but it's so rewarding, yeah. you know, because you're giving back. And, you know, for me, it's like, I see growth and I see changes and how these kids and young adults, you know, react to you or maybe something new they did. You're like, Oh my gosh, like they just did this, you know, it's so rewarding because you know, you're giving back and giving back is where it's at. So just keep giving back, just like what you're doing. Keep giving back. That's great. Well, listen, I want to thank you very much for coming on this. It was great talking to you and I wish you all the best. And if you ever need anything from me or racing for recovery with the work you're doing, just ask. We might do that once we get going a little bit. Um, then there's probably a spot for you if you don't mind. <laughs> Anytime. All right. Thank you. Well, you guys have a great day and uh, talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, Karen. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to another awesome episode of Ignite Euphoria. If you have yourself or a loved one who's battling any form of self-destruction, please check out racingforrecovery.org. As usual, I don't like saying this, but please subscribe to the Ignite Euphoria podcast on YouTube and all the other platforms it's on and get this message out to other people. Have an awesome day and we'll see you soon.